to the ether today is thursday april 20th 2023 today on the ether fetch ai spaces agents go interchain featuring peak let's take a listen or should i say let's take a peek um okay well uh wait so so do we have everybody here who um who needs to be here then i believe so all right Awesome. Then uh, we can get things kicked off right now. And uh, firstly, I would I think it's a it's a good idea um, before we get into everything that we'd like to talk today about agents going interchain and um, the the peak team being able to to accomplish this alongside us. Um, I was hoping that we could get everybody to kind of give maybe a little bit of background information about themselves as well as their role at the respective companies. Um, I'll I'll let the peak team go first with introducing themselves, and then we can uh, come back to fetch for for who's here today representing us. So yeah, I'll let you guys, uh, Leo and Cameron, um, go ahead and just let the community know uh, you know who you guys are and and what you do at Peak, and we'll get on with that. Thanks a lot, John. Sure thing. Yeah, let me let me start. Um, so my name is Leonard. I'm one of the co-founders of Peak and responsible for the product development. So working very closely together with Cameron and also being involved in our joint consortium, MoveID, for example, making sure that get as much information as possible in terms of what's actually required on to, to build on our network. Awesome. And then uh, Cameron, if you would like to go next. Yeah, thanks, John. So hi, guys, this is Cameron. I am working as head of engineering at peak so i'm responsible for building the layer one network peak and its integrations with other partners that's it from my side john awesome thank you guys so much for the background there and then um ed and and maria if you guys would like to also introduce yourself in case there are people in the audience um unfamiliar with uh what it is that you guys do at um, fetch ai Okay, I'll go first then. I was waiting for Ed. Um, so um, I'm a uh, director of business development at Fetch AI. I'm uh, leading our work with partnerships um, in terms of academia, uh, industrial partnerships, um, leading a couple of our industrial projects as well, Catena X and also Move ID. And this is where we met with Peak, and uh, this kicked off our, our collaboration within Move ID, but also outside. Cool. Uh, yes. Uh, I'm Ed Fitzgerald. Uh, I'm CTO here uh, for Chai, so I guess I'm, I'm intimate, intimately uh, familiar with the sort of technology here at Fetch, and really excited about sort of like this first step for the uh, interchain uh, future of microagents. So glad to get into that today. All right, awesome. Yeah, very exciting stuff, and thank you uh, for everybody introducing yourselves. Um, also, uh, I'm just here to to moderate the conversation a little bit, but. 
um, or host, I guess. My uh, everybody in the community who does know me knows me as Atari Buzzkill, but I do the um, I'm the associate community and business development uh, at Fetch AI. So, yeah, and. I guess to get right into things, um, prior to the discussion about the the agents and stuff like that, uh, for anybody who's across the board just unsure or or new to you guys at Peak, um, since we have you over here on our Twitter Spaces, um, I thought it'd be a great opportunity uh, for you guys to explain to the community one of the things that I've seen going around is you guys use the word D-pin a lot. I see it in your hashtags and I see it across the board and everything else. And it seems to be that it's it's tied in very closely to what it is that Peak is building. So I wanted to give the floor to you guys and your team to explain to us what Peak is and what D-pin uh, has as an association to Peak. Yeah, thanks a lot, uh, with pleasure. So D-pin is actually a, a new term, but it stands for for space and, and Web3 that has been around for a long, long time. So everything that's to do with physical infrastructure, IoT, where, for example, cars, charging stations, gateways, and so on are involved, can be grouped as deepened. So we've been starting at peak in 2017, really seeing the massive potential in IoT plus blockchain. And ever since working in that direction and really thinking about, okay, what what can we do to unlock that machine economy or also called economy of things right where all kinds of smart machines can interact with each other offer goods and services to each other or to humans and really un un unlock that that futuristic vision of a smart city and generally smart machine economy that is not running on on centralized web 2 infrastructure and deepen kind of got turned by masari recently grouping all the projects that are working in that direction in the Web3 space. So whenever somewhere data is being generated or someone is selling charging services or connectivity gateways like a project like Helium, this is grouped into the field of Deepen. So, and Deepen stands for Decentralized Physical Infrastructure Networks. And that's quite cool because Finally, right, there's DeFi, there are NFTs, there's the metaverse and so on. And now the, the space that we are working in, but also you at Fetch and many others that are involved in MoveID gets kind of its own niche. And this is Deepen, which is, as we all know, it's, it's great for Web3 because a lot of people look for those narratives. And now physical infrastructure is getting its own narrative as well. And Peak essentially as a layer one network where we build functionalities to enable app decentralized applications or deepen networks to build on top. So a use case like decentralized electric vehicle charging can build on top of the peak network or also parking use cases that are also on, on the fetch ecosystem. Another one might be a 5G network or a Wi-Fi network recently, a Wi-Fi network from Nigeria called Ycrypt joined the Peak ecosystem. They built a hotspot network out of Wi-Fis where individuals can set up those Wi-Fi hotspots and then share the connectivity with anyone who is around. So yeah, Peak really aims to be the best possible place to build those networks on top. And it can be seen as a toolbox for deepens to build. That's a fantastic explanation. Thank you so much for uh, providing that for everybody because, yeah, it, it has been going around a little bit recently. And I, I figured that 
you guys had a really solid explanation and, and that definitely was one. So yeah, thank you for that. And I guess um, people can kind of already probably get the gears turning a little bit on um, where the utility and having something like microagents available um, on that type of network would be of great benefit and likely why uh, you guys had actually gone ahead with and tried to integrate these in the first place, which is a, a great segue now uh, to talking about, I guess, the, the news that had come out just a, a couple days ago at this point now, which is that um, you guys released, there was obviously press releases that came out, but there was also a demo video uh, that was shown of a microagent or actually, I guess, um, a set of microagents that were actually doing tasks on the peak network, which is in the Polkadot ecosystem. So this is now agents going interchain, I guess, in that sense. And um, I was hoping that you guys, in case anybody hasn't seen what actually occurred in that video, uh, could you guys give us a little bit of um, you know, a rundown, I guess, on what happened in the demo? Oh, sure. Yeah, that was actually Cameron who, who set up the demo. And like you said correctly, this has been on a substrate-based network in the Polkadot ecosystem, right? And the, the agents were built by you to run on a Cosmos ecosystem. So it's truly interchain. And from my point of view, the Cosmos SDK and substrate uh, framework are the best blockchain frameworks out there. So it's, it's truly exciting to have the agents being able to run on, on both uh, frameworks now. And in the video, there was there were Alice and Bob, two machines, and Bob was running low on funds, and Bob had to pay for it, its maintenance. So Bob just asked his friend Alice if she could help him out and say, "Hey, Alice, do you have some funds for me so I can pay for my maintenance?" And Alice said, "Because she's a great friend of Bob, she said yes, I can send Bob." some funds and then Bob was able to pay his maintenance and all of that happened completely autonomously with a fetch microagents. Yeah, and that's that's extremely cool to to hear is a possibility now because um I know that behind the scenes a little bit we've we've talked about it and also um out in the open now, you know, there's been with with the press releases and everything and all the articles that have come out kind of describing what happened. Um, as you mentioned, with this being kind of a, a polka dot and cosmos ecosystem type of thing, to my knowledge, at least from what I've seen, um, there hasn't really been a, a native communication layer that exists between these two completely different systems, because the even like the consensus mechanisms are not the same. The way that your guys ecosystem is is not the same as how cosmos works. And yet there was an all all it took was from what it seems like is an adaptation um for for substrate and we have micro agents that are able to communicate with each other because that was one of the things that um i saw the community was actually asking about and i believe you guys also um can answer this for me which is that one of the key aspects of how the micro agents function is that we have what's known as the almanac contract and with that, when an agent is registered to the Almanac contract, it allows it to be able to communicate with other agents on the network and other agents essentially can see that it's active. Um, and so we wanted to know, uh, or the community has, had been wanting to know, were the peak agents that ran on the peak testnet 
uh, were those microagents able to be registered with the Almanac? And by that, uh, does that imply then that agents that are over on the peak testnet are able to communicate with agents that are like on Fetch AI, for example? Yeah. So, uh, John, I would start off with that the integration starting point is basically where the peak agents get registered with the LMI contract. We are actually calling the LMI contract to get the peak agents registered on, uh, um, yeah, uh, we get the peak agent registered on the LMI contract, right? So we are connected with our testnet and then here is the integration layer which starts, which actually calls as the first step the LMI contract so our agents can get registered on that in the contract. I hope I have answered the question. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So as as you had said, I guess the the rundown of it is that they they do register to the Almanac contract, which is very very cool. Um, and I believe you kind of did answer this as well by talking about the um, the substrate like adaptations. Um, but another thing that the community was asking um, to you guys throughout this time was. Did the microagents on peak require a fork of the microagent code uh, to be able to run, or is it native microagent library that's capable of working cross-chain with adaptations? Okay, so actually we have not forked the microagent, right? So what we have done in this integration is that we have built a wrapper code on top of the microagent, right? And that wrapper code actually includes a substrate library, right? That, can, that runs on top of the microagent code, right? And that library actually is the, is the one that is responsible for the integration so, and the crossing communication. So in a nutshell, we haven't uh, actually forked the microagent, but we have written a wrapper on top of it that uses the, micro, the substrate library. All right, awesome. Yeah, that's, that's really good to hear. Um, and I guess to build on top of it, now that we have seen the demo and you guys have, have you know, made it possible and it's something that you guys have actually tried, um, are there any kind of feature additions uh, that the Peak team, or sorry, no, uh, <laughs> sorry about that. Um, are there any things that we would like to be able to see in the future um, in terms of like the Peak agents, for example, uh, being able to communicate or discuss, I guess, transactions for working with another network. So if there was an agent running on peak uh, in the way that you guys have made it work, could we see that agent um, communicate directly with an agent that is actually performing transactions for another network entirely? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that that's that's really the, and what you mentioned before, John, right? That now the agents are able to send information and communicate cross ecosystem cross chain this is really fascinating here because as you said correctly information hasn't been able to be shared before and if we think about the smart city where all kinds of actors are active charging stations people and so on and a smart city that runs on web3 that will likely not be one network but many many different networks and now the fetch agents being able to send and receive information from all of those different assets and individuals or people that are operating on all of those different networks is really uh, yeah what the, the inception of this and i think that's also 
what we will demonstrate together at the, the big IAA trade show uh, in September. And this is this is a first breakthrough in terms of information sharing there. In terms of transferring assets, there will need, would need to be another bridge between networks that makes it possible to, to share assets from, from A to B. But I, there are different ways to, to paying. I think being able to have that information shared and then also booking autonomously is, is a first step. And I believe like to natively transfer tokens, there would need to be a, a bridge that actually makes that possible. Uh, correct me if that's wrong, um, Ed and Cameron. But yeah, having the first start of like being able to to share information cross network and ecosystem is is really really f fascinating here. Yeah, well, that's that's really great to hear. And um, yeah, as I had said, I agree with you that this is a really cool thing to see that there actually is a native communication layer um, because that's like the the agents. That's one of the the things that they're best at is you know sending messages between each other, um, communicating. I guess goals that they have in mind, and so the idea that this isn't just something where you know you are purely doing tasks on the Fetch AI network, and then agents on this network can't communicate with agents on that network. They're all connected. They're all connected essentially through through this layer, and so that's really cool because I assume that even the you know we've now had you guys also referenced that it's not going to just be you know peak that you're aiming for. I believe there was another test net that is launching on um, Kusama as well that you guys intended to try and have uh, agents work on as well, which of course is another um, Polkadot ecosystem, or I guess Kusama is kind of its own thing from what I understand, um, but very closely connected, but it's still another instance of it working on a separate chain. So this seems like it will be able to expand quite well. And I guess for the specific case of Peak, um, did you guys have any use cases in mind for what you would like to use MicroWidgets for? And there, there are many, many use cases. And I have to say there are probably many that also the Fetch community knows already about right like we're also very iot focused and physical infrastructure focused so the use case of a house for example selling generating energy through solar panels and selling it into the grid whenever it can get the most money for it and then in return buying energy from the grid whenever it's the cheapest i think is a fantastic use case for fetch agent that is basically managing the energy of the house autonomously or a car and the charging station communicating with each other and really finding the best deal. Then mobility use cases where you need to book a trip from A to B, which already got also demonstrated by you and, and Bosch and Datarella at the IAA, where you have deep parking so you can get find the best parking spot, then the agent can book it and then book you a scooter on top of it to, to take you from A to B, also a fantastic use case. Then all kinds of, for example, variables, fitness trackers and so on that are generating data and then looking so that you can say, I, I wanna sell that data to her, whoever gives me the most for that. Um, or you can sell connectivity to whoever gives you the most, like anything, any goods, goods or service that can be generated and sold by devices 
can be sold and found much better with fetch agents because they can actually negotiate, look for the best prices or sell to whoever um, gives the best money. So it, it really, from, from Peak's perspective, we incentivize all kinds of projects and devices to build and be connected with, with economics and tools. But the fetch agents really can add that layer of intelligence to any use case. And this is, yeah, this is fantastic is that economy of things, which we talked about before, AI is a big part of it, right? It's when we look into the future, 20, 30 years, and we have an economy that is operated by all kinds of autonomous machines where humans are not needed much more into in society to work and make sure that society has everything it's need, it needs, then those machines need to be smart they need to be autonomous and i believe and we believe that this needs to happen on web3 because if it happens on web2 on centralized platforms power money and control and value goes to the hands of a few people so many jobs will be automated for example a taxi driver like driving a vehicle is the most common job in the us this job will be automated in a couple of years so what are all those people doing and if all that automation and value generated through it goes into the hands of a few big companies, then we'll have a problem in terms of inequality. And yeah, people will just become dependent on, on governments to help them survive. And by putting all of that on Web3 and enabling people to build community powered networks and then also use AI to have those networks being smart and, and selling good, like generating and selling, providing goods and services, we can really create an autonomous economy there together in Web3 that benefits all of society and not just a few big companies. Yeah, I think that that's a, a really good overview um, of really ideal use cases for for micro agents on, on Peak. And I mean, in general, yeah, like I, I completely agree with um, with the kind of general idea there that a lot of the stuff does need to make sure that it's not just in the hands of a single group of people. And I mean, um, e even more and more with with current AI solutions, as things are trying to become automated, I, I know that Europe is is pushing back quite harshly against, um, you know, companies like OpenAI, because there are um, privacy laws and data protection laws and all of these things, which I mean, I, I um, not being from Europe, very much envy the fact that those types of laws exist um, because there isn't much protection in, in North America when it comes to your data. It's pretty much just like, you know, you sign, you, you check off a box on a website and you sign away your rights to all data that is used through everything and they can put it on whatever they want and sell it to whoever they want. And so, I think that that's going to be a key factor is that if you don't give people control of their data, if people have like less and less access to control of their data, um, there's going to be less and less value that people are able to find in a lot of things. And it's going to be harder to feel like there's any control in any of it. So that is a, a really, really interesting way of seeing um, the use cases for the micro agents of, you know, if there's going to be automation, if there's going to be um aspects involved you'd rather it not be 
a middleman, um, you know, single monolithic company that owns all of the data across an entire city, like essentially, or entire countries worth of these automation points. So, yeah, I think that that's um, a really great use case to try and use microagents for. And actually, one thing that um, I hoped for for you to chime in on, Ed, actually, is with uh, these ideas in mind um, for use cases for, for microagents, does this kind of, I guess, fit into the vision of what um, Fetch AI is hoping to have microagents used for in, in just that space? Um, and are there any other areas where you'd like to see the microagents expand into? Yeah, really great question. Yeah, so I sort of see microagents as a sort of glue that can fit in many of the gaps between, I mean, many things basically our blockchain, different blockchain networks as sort of the peak team here have uh, have demonstrated, uh, but but also the kind of capabilities inherent in those sort of networks as well and joining them together. I think that's, um, that, that, I mean, that's sort of why we, we designed it the way we did. Uh, and it doesn't just have to be Web3 systems as well. You know, we, we designed it so that Web2 systems are also can be integrated. So really kind of pulling all of those things together and giving that kind of interactivity on top of the capabilities of the of the different networks um on the kind of use case i think it was you know just kind of what leonard was saying just to add a little bit more onto it, i think it's sort of super important that we have this um sharing of the data and sort of not having this centralization and that's sort of aligning with kind of um what we are doing here at fetch obviously with the with the axiom and the kind of collective learning side of things uh, and that's really important to to give a kind of credible alternative to just sort of centralizing all of this data and all of the kind of machine learning know-how effectively into uh, into one place so i think this is a really nice uh, integration in general um with microagents and the rest of the, the sort of uh, the fetch ecosystem well, that's awesome to hear. And um, I guess another thing that would be interesting to to hear from from your perspective um, is, are there any, I guess, specific other areas, whether it's um, Web 2 focused, Web 2.5, I guess, as um, we, we typically like to use as well. Uh, are there any other kind of core ecosystems? Like obviously for, for Peak, we've got um, decentralized physical infrastructure networks. Are there any other, um, whether it's Web 2 or Web 3 in particular, that you think would be a good target area uh, for, for microagents or, or a problem that could be solved through the use of them? If yeah. I just, oh, okay, Oops, go sorry. ahead. No, no, please go ahead. No, I just, I was just going to say, whenever, wherever you use IoT devices or machines, uh, you know, this can be applicable. Any, you know, agents can represent any people, organizations, and, and in addition to all of that. So uh, we're currently looking at manufacturing, for example. We have shown some, some um, use cases uh, with Festo, but we're uh, exploring that field further. Uh, so manufacturing is a really good prospect and, and um, uh, supply chain. These are uh, supply chain is, a, is another very uh, heterogeneous uh, ecosystem um, that has many, many players that are independent. And um, this is, again, a really good example where micro, micro agents will be uh, very useful and very applicable. So we don't want to build, you know, uh, we don't expect that there will be a, a huge big platform that will all of a sudden 
you know, get all the supply chain actors uh, together and, and, you know, we'll serve them all and then we'll understand and, and keep all their data. So uh, people, companies, uh, SMEs uh, in the supply chain, uh, and we see that in Catenax and in, in other spaces, uh, they're really protective of their data. So we allow them to do that with microagents. They get to keep their data private and they get to interact with others uh, through these mi- microagents autonomously. Um, you know, they can achieve the economic benefits. And, and this is what we're really aiming to do. Give people, give companies uh, devices and tools uh, to be able to interact together, communicate autonomously, economically, and, and really make it a win-win-win situation for all. Awesome. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a perfect response. Thank you so much for further insight on, um, on, on the industries that you think will benefit the most from microagents. And I guess some of the the things as well, like as you had said, some of the the companies or or industries that do want to have the privacy um, aspect of things as well, that the micro agents themselves maintain that as well. There there isn't really a a trade off for them uh, in concept because I think that's a, a really good clarification to have made, uh, Maria. Because I think a lot of the time, um, some companies will hear Web three or they'll hear like decentralized products and stuff like that. And the first thing you usually go to think of um, is concepts like, you know, Bitcoin transactions and how you can click on an address and see, you know, who sent what and who sent this and who sent that. But there is actual like there you can have encryption like layered in with with data that is being transferred between things. Um, and the messaging between agents is also a secure line as well. So this isn't a out in the open thing where if a big company wanted to integrate this, it's going to be a trade-off for them, um, you know, for privacy. None of that is is a concern for them. So yeah, that was that was a good uh, piece to clarify as well. But yeah, um, and then I guess even from more the Web three perspective, um, I wanted to also get a little bit of an idea because I I really do want to hammer in just how how impressive it was um, what you guys at Peak were able to accomplish here so that everybody in the audience, um, whether you're super technically you know, in the know or not, um, I just wanna try and aid in that. And so I was hoping uh, that maybe you guys could kind of explain uh, from the Peak team here how, how it is that like the Polkadot ecosystem works because you guys mentioned that, um, I believe it was that you needed to have, there was like a slot auction uh, that would allow you guys to essentially be connected to the rest of the Polkadot ecosystem and I believe share the security from over there. And then that would then allow agents to immediately be bridged over to the rest of Polkadot if that were to be the case. Um, and so I kind of wanted to know if you guys could explain how that works, like how the Polkadot ecosystem works with this slot auction functionality and that type of stuff. Because over in Cosmos, um, we just have our own layer one like native chain native token and if we want a, a connection we you know we integrated ibc and so do the other chains in the cosmos ecosystem and then you just connect to them and everybody runs their own validator set and whatnot so if you could explain the difference i think it would help people be able to understand why the fact that we were able to connect these two completely different systems through like microagents is is a lot more impressive Yes, for sure. I think that's um, yeah, that's a really really good point to to dig into a bit, because essentially the goal of the Cosmos and Polkadot ecosystems and the vision is the same or very similar, right? To create 
a network of blockchains. So to really enable Web3, where all kinds of blockchains are interoperable with each other and can, can speak with each other. The approach is slightly different, although there are more and more similarities now as well. So on the Polkadot ecosystem, you have a relay chain and you have those so-called parachains. And in order for parachain to connect to the relay chain, like you said before, there, there's an auction. Because as of now, this, the number of parachains that can connect to the relay chain is limited to 100. And whenever a parachain is connected to the relay chain, it is automatically interoperable with all the other networks on the Polkadot relay chain. So if there are 100 networks connected to the relay chain, all of them can exchange value with each other, speak to each other, and are basically natively interoperable. And the other big thing there is that those parachains are outsourcing the security to the relay chain. So Polkadot parachains are not running their own validators. They just run collateral nodes, which basically store a whole set of the network and make it available for anyone to, to access the information. But the actual security and validation is happening on the Polkadot relay chain. And we are leveraging this to have incentives on the network been given out to anyone that is required to build the economy of things or to build the, the deepen ecosystem. So the peak network doesn't need to spend tokens on securing the network. So the peak network is spending those tokens on incentivizing all kinds of individuals, be it the uh, apps that build on top, be it companies that work in the ecosystem, whoever is really needed to, to build that peak ecosystem gets incentivized by the network. And this is possible because the security is outsourced and taken care of the by the relay chain. And yeah, those, those are probably the main the main parts of how the Polkadot ecosystem works. Compared to Cosmos, Cosmos as a network itself is also an interoperability hub or is meant to be one. But there, there are a lot of connections between the networks directly, right? And I think Cosmos now plans to also take care of security of networks connecting to the Cosmos chain. So the the way the ecosystems are structured, or at least the steps that Cosmos is taking right now, are very similar to how the Polkadot ecosystem works, with the difference that in Cosmos you can set up your own network, run your own validators, and just connect one-on-one -on -one with all the other networks that you want to connect to. And Polkadot, there's kind of this auction filtering process which well gives you the advantage that you then once you win the auction save a lot of money or funds on the network security and also i think there's that process in place to make sure that the quality of networks connecting is high because at some point it becomes a scalability issue 100 networks can be handled much more than 100 it will get difficult already if all those networks are continuously speaking with each other it, it gets difficult and you have kind of those auctions to have a threshold to get in to make sure that not just thousands of networks are connecting and spamming the network. And yeah, this is kind of the main difference. And as far as I know, there are now integrations happening with IBC also between Polkadot and Cosmos, but just to transfer tokens and they're not very mature yet. So I think it's fair to say that the fetch agent integration on the peak network and then being able to transfer information between the fetch network and the peak network is probably the first 
interoperable information transfer between the two ecosystems. And I think, yeah, this is this is yeah spectacular, as said before. Yeah, I, I would definitely, if I'm not mistaken, I, I believe you're 100% right there that there hasn't been, um, because the, the only other way, obviously, for some form of native messaging to have occurred between the two, like chains connected wise, uh, would have been if either, you know, substrate layer was integrated over on a Cosmos chain or if a Polkadot network had integrated IBC which I believe are, are things that some projects are attempting to, you know, figure out a way to integrate. Um, but as of now, the, the only messaging protocol that has actually had anything happen where, where a direct line of communication was open between these two chains has, has been with the microagent integration, which is, as I said, like, even with this just being a, a demo um, of you guys demonstrating, you know, how you could automate tasks on a separate network, the fact that a communication line has opened up between these two networks and you guys intend on expanding that, as I said, um, over on the Kusama chain with one of the other um, chains that you guys have launching. I, I think that this is, this is just the beginning. I feel like probably everybody here uh, can, can probably feels the same way that this is this is just the beginning when it comes to what is going to be possible and um, even still it already is so impressive. I just wanted to add to that. I I absolutely agree with you, John. And this is just the beginning. So we just met with uh, uh, with Leonard and and his team at the Move ID project. I just wanted to highlight that again. Um, there are many partners, uh, many more partners in that team, and there are many other partners in the mobility space, in the supply chain space, in all these other uh, big ecosystems, heterogeneous ecosystems where we can connect with, we can help this interoperability, this, uh, you know, this large uh, communication uh, enable that among all of us and, and really um, have any, everyone, anyone and everyone benefit from it. So, so this is really what we're aiming for. Um, and I'm really glad that we get to work with Peak on this and really to demonstrate that how also how easy that was for them to, to do. Right. So and I would like to thank our tech team, Ed, uh, under his leadership. We were able to deliver this. And um, I'm just super excited about the future where this is going to take us. Yeah, I 100 percent agree. I think that this is really, really exciting stuff. Uh, the IAA stuff is extremely exciting as well to see. Um, and. Yeah, I think overall this will be a really, really great time, and I I believe we've we've uh, pretty much covered. Um, if, unless there's if, unless there's anything else that you guys wanted to uh, bring up or or discuss before we like kind of close here, I'd love for you guys to be able to make some closing comments about um, wh like where where things are moving next, where the future is going to be essentially. Yeah, to to add on to what Maria just said, I think I uh, also wanted to highlight the importance of Move ID here, and and Peter is also in the spaces, right? Like the work of Bosch bringing together all the players so that we have the the framework and the ground to work together and really work towards what we all see the future will be and has to be, like an open decentralized infrastructure to share data, to buy and consume goods and services, to be independent from any big platform and central player because just from the, all those siloed approaches won't work in a in a 
in such a complex world with so much data and so many opportunities and offerings. So I just wanted to highlight that and fully agree it's just the beginning. There's a long way to go, but we're making progress steadily all together. And that's what I like a lot about Web3, that it's so much about collaboration and integrating and working together. And I think that's a whole different spirit. It's not a, a zero-sum game, but it's really yeah, collaboratively working towards achieving uh, our joint vision. Well, that's great to hear. And I'm sure the community will be equally excited about um, what is to come in the future. And also, I, I see you've unmuted yourself, Ed, so I'm going to pass it over to you now. <laughs> just woken up no um uh yeah big thanks to the peak team um uh, uh for all their work on on here and um you know taking the kind of micro agents and the efforts they've done here have been really great in some ways heartwarming i can speak for the uh the tech team here at fetch ai to sort of you know see people take the tech and obviously many of our community members also have done this as well and and sort of run with it and and, and really make an, a, a you know, valuable contribution and uh, just to echo what leonard sort of says it's lovely to uh, uh you know to be in this sort of web3 space where it is a sort of you know collaborative effort which is which is excellent well then yeah i uh i have to say that i i appreciate all of you guys uh taking the time out of your day to come and talk directly with the community um, especially you guys over at Peak coming over to talk to, to our community about um, the accomplishments that have been made. And finally, now that everybody's allowed to to talk about it. And yeah, I think it's going to be very, very exciting uh, to see what happens next. So yeah, thank you to all of you guys for joining. And also, thank you to you guys in the community uh, for listening in um, to today's Spaces session, whether you're listening in live right now uh, or you are listening in a playback after the fact. So yeah, thank you, uh, everybody. And um, yeah, I guess with, with that being said, uh, thank you to everybody for joining today's session. And we will see you guys next week in, in our next Twitter Spaces session. So yeah, goodbye to, to everybody. Bye, everyone. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was Fetch AI Spaces. Agents Go Interchain. Featuring Pete. Recorded on Thursday, April 20th, 2023. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. Put your hands up like you got a couple questions. Ain't no misdirection, just a bunch of flexing. All aggressive, insane from all directions. Smoke rolls in when I start a session. Plank canvas, blaze up the handlers. Rocking back and forth like I got the van stuck. Don't grind the clutch, mind your hush. Put your mask on and don't touch the antlers. Feeling untouchable when I'm on the verse. But in the universe, I'm just writing some words. Enticing these nerds while I'm laying out my memoirs. Like, remember when I had to fight the centaur? I'm a book nerd, let me take you on the journey Lost in the labyrinth, searching out the lost fern For certain, got the taxes included Acting like a writer, never felt secluded Another fixed game of try my love Go lighten up dog. it could always be worse Unless you're in the back of a hearse Then you're dead or put it in new speakers It's a toss up driver or 
stress, yo I've done the research Living life like a bunch of fucking lemurs It's a remake Off the cutting floor we take A little bit of poison And put it in the cheesecake Tastes great, less filling Less stress, more killing As he blew the cornerstone out the building And the blocks came tumbling down all humble Feels like we're drowning in a little puddle Rebuttal? I should be taking off in the shuttle Getting high in space with the Hubble